Blog Talk Radio. Hi everyone, this is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews, and I can't start today's show without talking about the ISO 10002. You know, some people just love to complain, but companies have a responsibility to care. The International Organization for Standardization, ISO, has revised ISO 10002, the standard for complaint handling. This document enables organizations to foster a customer-focused environment, open the feedback, heightening their customer satisfaction. You can get the ISO 10002 standard from the American National Standards Institute, ANSI, the U.S. member body of ISO. Visit ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. That's ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now... Welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews. We're for over 12 years now. We've been asking the French for I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. Meeting with Tad Burkhalter, the founder and CEO of Numbers House, who specializes in helping entrepreneurs legally start their businesses, as well as providing back-end office support in bookkeeping and payroll services. We're going to talk to Tab about that in just a moment on Franchise so Stick around because we have a great show. The Stone Coat Franchise Opportunity. Are you looking for a unique and lucrative franchise opportunity? If so, take a look at Stone Coat. With a patented process which creates a true stone finish on almost any wall or ceiling, Stone Coat is a true game-changing product in the multi-billion dollar construction industry. Stone Coat is applied faster, cleaner, and cheaper than conventional quarried stone, which saves both time and money. With advantages in remodel and new construction of both residential and commercial projects, Stone Coat is a true crossover product. The Stone Coat franchise opportunity provides a low startup cost, low operating expenses, comprehensive training, ongoing support, and no royalty payments. For more information on the Stone Coat franchise opportunity, go to www.stonecoatfranchise.com. That's www.stonecoatfranchise.com or call us at 972-380-2700. That's 972-380-2700. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 12 years now, we've been asking the Franchipreneurs one-on-one. 
I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews. And as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Tad Burkhalter, the founder and CEO of Numbers House, which specializes in helping entrepreneurs legally start their businesses, as well as providing back-end office support in bookkeeping and payroll services. Hi, Tab. How are you? Welcome to the show. Marty, thank you for having me today. Uh, this is my pleasure, Tab. We always like to ask our guests, where are you calling from today, Tab? Uh, outside of Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, nice. So Knox- T- Tennessee is such a beautiful state, isn't it? It's gorgeous over here. Yeah, it's We have the mountains. We have states. the lakes. It reminds me a lot of Pennsylvania. I always said if I could live anywhere besides Pennsylvania, it would be Tennessee, uh, Tab, you know, because it's very similar. You know, we have the same thing. You know, we got the rivers, lakes, mountains, and all those things. But Tennessee is just a little bit warmer than Pennsylvania, you know, so it really is the perfect climate, isn't it? I, I believe so. We get to experience all four seasons of the year, and yeah. uh, we don't have massive potholes in between the roads on the interstate. <laughs> That's true. Not like Philadelphia. It's 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 something. But you know, it's really excited to have you on the show today, Tab. Because I, I think you know this is an important show, particularly as we approach the end of the year. You know, maybe maybe we could kind of start off like you know you could talk about you know how you came up with the idea for Numbers House because I think it's a really important service for our listeners. Well, where the where the idea came from is I have been a serial entrepreneur my entire life, and. Mm-hmm. We have had most of my background ever since I was seven years old was dealing with restaurant franchises. My wow. dad was an attorney and a CPA, and we uh, we were the the back office for a lot of restaurant franchises. They were getting off the ground and started, and right. we discovered that franchises are excellent at creating revenue. But the franchise owners and operators sometimes didn't understand all of the back end that kept their business going. Right. And so we decided that we would customize a company that provided that back end support for either the franchise or in wanting to make sure that they collected royalty payments and did proper audits and helping their franchises be as successful as possible. Mm-hmm. as well as providing the services for the franchisees on maximizing their tax deductions, taking care of their back-end reporting to their franchisors. So we fear we were in a unique situation to offer both sets of services. I think it's a great market to focus on, Tab, because, you know, as you know, you know, being an entrepreneur, I mean, there's, there's – many different options when you go into business. You know, you don't necessarily have to go the franchise alternative. You know, you could start your own corporation, but but franchising is is a real special niche, and and it seems like you have that feel and you're comfortable with working with with franchises, don't you? Yeah, and working with franchises, I mean, we've worked with a variety of them to where some of them believe in are very heavy on that royalty payment from the franchise Mm -hmm. or others, they are more of a licensing where they want the name Mm -hmm. to build brand equity across the country. And then you have some where they just are wanting to expand territorially. So they'll sell territory rights and not really care what you do inside of that territory. And what we have discovered is it's important to understand the mindset behind the franchisor because those operating agreements or those franchise agreements can play significant roles when you're looking at how to account for income or expenses or or even growth inside of your market. Right. And I'll give you a brief example. We've got a we've got a restaurant franchise right now that's in West Virginia. The franchise the restaurant sold rights twenty one years ago to the I eighty one corridor through Tennessee, but it's wow. never been developed. 
Now then, we're trying to help our franchise in West Virginia expand down I-81 into the Tennessee market, but they don't have the territory rights. They've got the capital to expand, and so we're kind of having to step in and work with the franchisee as well as the franchisor say, what do you want? We don't mind expanding up to the Virginia state line on I-81, but... We mm-hmm. really want to get market penetration into Tennessee, but you sold the rights, but no one's developed it for 21 years. That's incredible. You hear all sorts so, of stories in franchising, don't you, Tab? <laughs> oh, it, it, is, it is a wonderful market to get into because no two franchises ever operate the exact same. Right, exactly. The um, The majority of our listeners, Tab, are we call them aspiring franchipreneurs. You know, most of them, you know, they have it in their mind that they would like to get into franchising. What are the most common tax deductions franchise owners overlook? The, right, now, are you asking from the concept of the franchisor or the person that is operating a franchise as their own independent business? I would probably more so the franchisee because I think our listeners are going to be more franchisee focused. Although we do have franchisors, of course, listen to the show, but more the franchise owner or franchisee themselves. The a lot of the tax deductions that they that they start looking at is um, is capital investment mm-hmm. when they when they pay for their royalty how are they accounting for it if they have to do right. a large lump sum to purchase their franchise is it being properly um, amortized out uh, over the over a set time period I see and. And so those are a few things, but the larger ones that we get into is when their franchise or wants them to do a remodel, to do a new lease or to do a um, a refresh of their concept. Well, that could be significant dollars. Right. And our viewpoint is yes, it's an asset, but can we cost segregate that large expenditure and take it? So where some of it is is a 15-year asset, but some of it is also a three-year asset or a expense now. And that's where right. just spending money on a remodel isn't necessarily all-inclusive. You can break it up, and it's just a matter mm-hmm. of learning those those tactics. That's great. The uh, I, I don't know if you saw it, uh, Tab, but I, I think McDonald's is going through this right now. I saw an article, I think it was a week or two ago. I, I, I know where some of the McDonald's franchisees were upset because I know McDonald's wants to, I guess, remodel um, some of their units, you know, and, and I know they were expressing, you know, some fra- frustration in that. So I, I, I think that's very interesting. Um, one of the topics we spoke about, and this is going back, God, I think it's two or three years, we were talking about 401ks, and, and I know you can borrow from your 401k to start a franchise, but I I guess the the deep question is, should you? (laughs) There's a difference between, and that's an excellent question. We we were talking yesterday with a person who Mm -hmm. wanted to pull money out of their 401k, and we said, all right, let's look at it. If you borrow from your 401k, you might have an interest rate that you have to pay the money back at, which is fine. That's just like a traditional loan. But you don't have the 10% early withdrawal penalty. You do not have to pay income tax on that money, but you still right. get to create an income-producing uh, revenue. Others will look at it and say, well, we know we're going to have a lot of front-end costs, and because of those front-end costs, whatever we pull out from the 401k, the, the losses from the franchise for that first-year startup are going to equal each other out. 
So right. from a from an income tax perspective, there might be it might result in a zero tax, but you still have got that ten percent early withdrawal penalty. Right. Some people have even gone, and there are, and there it's a little bit more tricky, where you roll your money over into a self-directed IRA. You then let your IRA buy part of the franchising rights, so that way the the 401k is investing the money into the franchise itself, not necessarily as a distribution, but you still get use of the funds. And that concept is is much more tricky. There's a lot of red tape that you jump through to make sure that that every I is dotted and every T is crossed. But right. there are ways that you can pull the money out to where it's not a loan and it's not subject to any type of a penalty or repayment. That's great to know. We had a, a woman on the show, I guess it was about two months ago, Tab, and, and her name was Christy Wilson-Delk, and she told the story of, of how she pulled all of her money out of her 401k, I think it was like 120,000, and, and her accountant advised her against it. He said, "Don't do this." You know, he said, "You're going to get, you know, this, this was like 40 percent or something like that." She didn't have the same type of um, example that, that you were just discussing. She believed in it so much, you know, and thank God everything worked out. She ended up eventually, I think it was 10 years later, she ended up selling the business for like eight million dollars. But um, she really had to think about it, you know. I mean, it was very risky, you know. So uh, it, it's interesting, you know, how you, you give alternatives to, to, to kind of getting around, you know, those those taxes because, you know, that really is so important. I mean, you know, franchising is not a 100% guarantee, is it? You know, I think some people, our listeners, sometimes they have this perception that if you buy a franchise, statistically it's going to make it, you know. And there might be some truth behind certain brands, but it, it's not always 100%, is it? No, I mean, we're dealing with one right now where we um, it, it's a um, it's a it's a very popular restaurant franchise. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, the the owner had two locations in Tampa, and in, in here in Knoxville, the franchise has done exceptionally well. But right. the location of the two franchises in Tampa, in under five years, both went belly up, and now the franchisor or the franchisee is on the hook for about a million dollars in taxes, wow. royalty payments, franchise agreements, and there's nothing left to show for it. So not every franchise is going to be a home run. You, it's still a business. You still have to work right. it. And you can make poor management decisions that will affect your restaurant or or any, or any franchise. I say restaurant because that's my background, right. but any franchise, right. be it a Midas or be it a, a – mm-hmm. a, um, or any of them, right? Any type of franchise. For, from your experience, Tab, you know why? Why do most businesses fail? Is it is it because of undercapitalization? Is it because of like the example you were just talking about location? We, we had an example here in Eastern Pennsylvania of a big franchise. I was surprised they they went out of business, but they were in a very odd location, and I figured it had to be the location that was you know the reason that they kind of went under. But what are some of the reasons most businesses fail? Uh, the number one reason that we see is the is the owner is not used to managing the rapid influx of cash that comes with those businesses. Mm-hmm. So right. there's proper forecasting of cash needs. So they right. they buy into a rest or they buy into a franchise. Now they've got payroll taxes. Then they have right. a business tax. Then they have sales tax. 
I mean, by the time you get into a business, you're looking at six to seven new taxes. And I have yet to find a school that teaches anything about taxation in right. our elementary or high school process. That's true. That's a so problem, the first, isn't it, in our country? It, it is. I mean, well, the, the, the cash flow management of your taxes is the first one. The second one is just people being able to find your business, and that gets back into your location comment. If you don't have a good location, you can have the best product in the world, but if people can't find you, they're never going to be able to buy it. That's interesting. A lot of our listeners have they, you know, they start off as usually a single unit franchisee, you know, and as the business starts to become somewhat successful, you know, they start looking into a second franchise location. From your experience, what are or are there financial and tax implications of opening a second location when you start looking at that second location mm -hmm. the tax implications aren't as much as because you're you're all that you're doing is you're hopefully you're just adding additional revenue now then if right. you're in a business to where you get tax credits for investing in lower income areas or tax credits because you do uh, tip reporting through your franchise, then then those second and third opportunities open up more doors for you. Um, right. But the the bigger consideration is going to be is you have successfully operated the franchise. Are you if you open up a second location, how close is it to your first one, and are you going to cannibalize your revenue right. from one market to another? In Knoxville, we we in Knoxville we have. Uh, it's pretty much divided up based on which side of the interstate you are on and okay. then what side of the major four-lane uh, artery you are, you're on. So it's almost divided into four quadrants. And there was, a there was a grocery store chain that came into town, bought five sites, and could not understand why the sites were not doing well. One was right. doing great but the other three uh, were not, and then a, four, a fifth one they just decided not to do. And what they realized is they basically put three into one quadrant, although mileage, they were all equidistant apart, but from the right. concept of where the, the, the boundaries were between the interstate and highways, three of them all cannibalized off each other. Wow. And, it, and there's just knowing the mindset of your market. Of the people that you're going to be servicing, are they willing to drive across the bridge to get to you? Will they cross the interstate? I was going to say, you know, this has been one of the themes of of of, of our show, Tab. You know, we've been doing the show now over 12 years, and you know, when someone's looking to expand, you know, or even get into franchising, we always do advise, you know, that they don't just pick any accountant or any attorney. You know, we always say, you know, find someone like yourself that that has experience with franchising or yeah find someone who has experience as, as being a franchise attorney you know I'm, I'm always surprised when i hear stories like this of, of people who it, it's almost like they didn't even they, they never talked to anyone about it they just kind of did it on their own and you kind of wonder why didn't they speak to someone like yourself first before making that move why do you think that happens i think a lot of people are nervous we live in a very jaded society and people yeah. are afraid of sharing their dreams with others. Right. So right. they are afraid of finding people 
that or or really talking to a lot of people until they pulled that trigger. I and mean, we had a a, com, or a common joke that we had started a product called Potty Targets and probably did this 18 years ago, mm-hmm. but it started off as a joke between me and some friends out of Bournemouth, England. And the point was that we will help a client succeed in their business as long as they're willing to give us the idea and help them and as long as they're honest with their answers because we want them to succeed. But society itself doesn't want people to succeed. And so I think that people that become franchise owners – they want something better for themselves. They want to provide yeah. something better for their family, but they are afraid of going out and talking to people about it. So they try to do it as much with Google as they can, mm-hmm. and then they pull the trigger, and they, and they just needed two or three hours of some proper guidance. Right, exactly. I, um, I got into a business many years ago. This is going back almost 20 years ago, uh, Tabware. Got into this business um, somewhat successful, and um, the problem was we didn't have an exit strategy. And when I wanted to get out of the business, <laughs> you can imagine it was very messy. And 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 I find that this is common, uh, you know, a, a, amongst a lot of entrepreneurs is that they don't have an exit strategy. What what are the exit strategies for franchise owners? That's an excellent question because it depends upon the franchise itself. The franchisor. Some of them will allow uh, you to basically transfer your franchise agreement from one generation to the next, mm-hmm. uh, especially if it's owned by a corporation. Others will have the franchise agreement be renewable every five years to where you could you could spend your capital, get it up and going, and then if they don't like how you're operating it, right. they can elect not to renew it, and then you're stuck with with a location that you don't own anymore. You've spent your time, you've guaranteed the lease, but the franchisor comes back in and takes it back over because they decide not to renew your franchise agreement. So wow. the the type of franchise agreement that you execute will determine a lot of what your exit strategy will look like. Is this a 10-year investment? Is this a five-year investment? Is this a lifetime investment? We've, we've right. got one where – yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, this is something that you do have to talk about before you even start, right, Tab? I mean, I, it's, it's uh, again, that was, I think, one of, I want to say, my biggest life-learning lesson. But I always say, why didn't I talk about it when we got into it? I just think we had, you know, these, these big dreams of, of, you know, making a lot of money. And for some reason, it just never occurred to us that, okay, what's going to happen when one of us want to get out of the business? And I, it, it seems to happen more often in entrepreneurship, and and I've always felt that we should talk about this more in the show, which is why you know I wanted to have someone on yourself, like the show, to, to address this. This is a very important topic, isn't it? Well, uh, the exit strategy, yes, and and it is the 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 messiest part. It's kind of like a divorce. No one goes into a marriage right. expecting right. there to be a divorce, right. but with business. You can go into a business franchise knowing that at one day you will die. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are all right. going to die. So right. we at least need to understand what we're leaving for our kids or for our heirs to have to clean up. So it's very good for us to have a good exit strategy from that business. We're not saying because we're going to fail or because we're going to dissolve the partnership, but we know there will be an end termination point. And what do we want that to look mm-hmm. like? Right, and then you work backwards from there. 
That's fantastic. It's so important. What's the best way for our listeners to have to get more information um, on, on all the services that you provide to our listeners and, and the franchise community? Are there any websites that you'd like them to go to to check out or any phone numbers that you'd like them to call? Well, for the phone numbers, um, the best way to reach our office is 865 984 4080. The website is the numbers house, all one word, the numbershouse.com. And look us up one of those two ways. That's fantastic. I've really enjoyed having you on the show today, Tab. And I'd like to invite you back again because I think there's more to talk about. You know, again, it is such an important topic, and I think you provide a great service. So I'd like to invite you back uh, over the next year or so. Hey, I would love to be back on the show with you again, Marty, and you have a great time. You too, Tab. It was great having you on the show. We'll be right back with more franchise interviews. Coming up on segment two, you're going to hear what every franchisepreneur needs to know before buying a franchise. We're going to play a clip from our popular Great Quotes in Franchising podcast right here on Franchise Interviews. Are you looking for a franchise that delivers... Businesses will always need shipping, and for more than 25 years, loyal customers have depended on Unishippers for reliable savings and exceptional customer service. Unishippers is focused on just one thing, helping small and medium-sized businesses save time and money on all their shipping needs. And as the largest reseller of complete shipping services in the country, we have the buying power to ensure that we succeed. The Unishippers franchise offers low startup costs, no equipment or real estate required because they're not retail, residual income, and a quality of life and work-life balance. For more information on becoming a Unishippers franchisee, go to www.unishippers.com and click Franchise Opportunities or call Franchise Development at 801-708-5822. That's 801-708-5822. Franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? For over eight years, Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Hi, everyone. This is Marty McDermott from Franchise Interviews, and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising. Reach podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, Franchise Interviews has been hosting this show now over eight years, and we've done over 400 shows. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but we actually started off as a newsletter in 2006. We had a handful of subscribers, and um, the newsletter started to build over time. And we got a proposal to turn the newsletter into a radio show. And I originally said no to the idea. I was terrified about doing a radio show. And I thought about it for about three days, and I said, you know what? I'm going to take a chance. And doing the radio show has really been, I would say, one of the 
top five or top ten things that's happened you know over my life so it's been a real amazing opportunity we've interviewed some amazing people from um, uh, Michael Gerber to the guest you're going to hear today Melanie Bergeron Melanie is in our Great Quotes and Franchising podcast for today and she is the chair of Two Men in a Truck and she was on our six year anniversary show we put a lot of thought as far as who we'd like to have on the anniversary show and she was a perfect choice a wonderful interview and one of the questions we asked Melanie on the show was what advice would you give to our listeners in their quest to buy a franchise and of course her response was brilliant so here we go with another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising with Melanie Bergeron the chair of Two Men in a Truck to go or grow they add a right. truck add a truck add a truck and then if depending on what the economy is doing, then you could take a truck out if you had to. Whereas with other franchise systems, you usually have to add a store, right. add a yeah. location. Um, That's true. So it's just another, another beautiful thing. I'm using every second of your time I can to no, encourage it, it, people it, to think about this business as an opportunity. It, 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 it's an amazing opportunity. And, you know, I guess I could officially call you an expert. I know that I believe you are a, was a certified franchise expert. And one of the questions we've been asking on the show, Melanie, for the last six years is, you know, what advice would you give to our listeners? We call them aspiring franchipreneurs. You know, so many of them know they want to get into a franchise opportunity, but it seems I don't know. It seems a little more difficult today because there's just so much out there, and I think a lot of our listeners they just simply don't know where to begin. I think they get a little overwhelmed. What would you say to them as an expert in franchising? I would look at the concept and mm-hmm. um, think about who the audience is that you'll be working with. Right. Because no matter what product or service it is, it's not really the product or service; it's who you're delivering to, and. Um, you know, is this an audience that you could be comfortable with? I guess that's, that would be the first thing I would look at. Second, are there unit economics? Third, is this a fad? Is it going to be around 10 years from now? Um, fourth, how expensive is it to get involved? Are you going to be able to get a loan for it? You know, five, is it going to be difficult to learn this product or service, or will it be pretty easy to learn and teachable to others? Um, also look for state regulations. Is there anything, is there a location available in your city or state? Are there special regulations toward that product or service? Because a lot of products and services are regulated, and I'll tell you, moving is. Um, but the biggest thing your listeners can do is call as many, uh, once they receive the permission, call as many of the franchisees in that system that they can and a couple red flags, if you get the FDD from a company and there is not an item number 19, and that shows um, just shows average numbers that right. franchisees make, that's a red flag. And find out why they don't have that in their FDD. Secondly, when, you, when the um, prospect does receive permission to call franchisees and they give you a very short list, mm-hmm. that's a red flag. And yes. um, it'd be nice... To my truck, we give the whole all of our franchisees, even people that have left the system, because we want that prospect to call as many people as possible. And if they say, "I would never do this," no, I would. I made a big mistake. Then the prospect should ask, "Well, you sound disappointed. Would you do it all over again?" And if they say never, then it might be good for the prospect to say, 
then would you be willing to sell your location? The mm. truth will bubble up in that answer. And then keep in mind, wow. if we, um, it's not often this happens, but if we had a prospect called two men in a truck, and they said, we talked to this um, franchisee, and they don't like the way you do things, then we would probably say, you you know what, you won't be happy in our system then, because that is how right. we do things. So I think uh, for a prospect, they're going to get a bulk of their education by checking references. Very, 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 very important. Wow, that's a great question. I never heard that before, you know, in, in all the years I've been studying franchising is, you know, if someone said, you know, they, they never would have got into it again, then you say, well, would you sell me yours? And they said no. <laughs> you know, that would be like, well, okay, I never thought of that. I mean, that's that's very clever. I, you know, I had a feeling your response would, would, would be, you know, nothing less than spectacular. You know, it, it's it's. So thank you, everyone, for listening. If you'd like to hear that whole interview with Melanie Bergman, the chair of Two Men in a Truck, you can actually go to FranchiseInterviews.com. You can go to our Franchises Listed Alphabetically page and just go to Two Men in a Truck. You can go to our Franchises by Category page and go to our Home Services page. And um, we'd like to thank everyone again for making this podcast and this show such a big success. It's amazing that we've been doing it now eight years, and we hope to do it another eight years. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you soon with another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising from Franchise Interviews. Take care, everyone. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. At Jiffy Lube, it's our job to make car care make sense. That's why we offer personalized service reviews that swap car talk for straight talk, so you know what your car is telling you and what to do about it. Putting you in the driver's seat of car care, that's a job for Jiffy. Visit JiffyLube.com to find a service center near you.